Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Yeah, all the races are too close to call. The House is a toss-up. The Senate, I still say, goes to the Republicans, but I'm going to go through some numbers with you. We're a week away from Election Day. Maybe we should know what's going on. Maybe it's time to make some decisions. Place uh, some bets. I'm saying that's uh, that's probably the right move. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. How are you? I'm Tony Katz. 833-468-8669. That's how you get to be a part of the program. Uh, let's take a look at some of these close races. Because the house, the house is, you know, place any bet and you might very well be right. I've been saying this for a few weeks now, and it's more true than ever. Anybody who tells you, anybody who tells you that uh, they understand what's going to happen in the House, they're fooling. They're lying to you. They're lying to you. And there are a lot of people there in, in the cable news apparatchik. Uh, they'll tell you anything. They'll tell you anything. They're so desperate for you uh, to believe them. They're so desperate to keep themselves on TV. Here's where we're at. If you were to take a look right now based on Real Clear Politics, which I think is, is I think a site and a source a lot of people use, they see this in terms of the lean and likelies, right? So the middle is toss-up. Then you've got lean, GOP or, or Democrat, and, or Republican or Democrat. Then you have likely. So likely is, you know what, these, these are seats that, that are safe. Lean is, these are seats that will most probably go. And then toss-up is, ah, no. That's basically what we've got. And they've got it when you count in the leans and the likelies. 205 seats for the Democrats, 200 seats for the Republicans, 30 seats as a toss-up. I was talking earlier today with Mark Lauder, who's the former press secretary for Vice President Pence. Uh, he's now an advisor. And uh, I was speaking with Marty Opst who's the senior political advisor for, for the vice president. I had gone through these numbers, and I was looking at like a 220 to 215, 435 members of Congress. That's how the numbers would work out. And independently, they thought that, uh, Marty thought that, that the number was going to be, you know, the split could be as simple as six votes. So everybody is, you know, I, I, I say that as everybody, right? I, I, that, that's anecdotal. That's not scientific. But follow me here. There is certainly a theory that we're going to have a very, very close house, which leads to a lot of interesting questions about how does that house operate? Because you really are riding the razor's edge on everything. Therefore, you're giving members a tremendous amount of power if they want to vote the other way, you know, to maybe engage a pet project. And you get into the place of, okay, if we're going to have a five or ten vote separation between the two parties, the two parties actually have to compromise. Now, I'm not actually a big fan of, of, of compromise. In that, because here's what it means. Here's what it means. Compromise usually means you stop asking or you stop doing, as opposed to the creation of a better idea. And that doesn't turn me on. That doesn't turn me on. Creating a better opportunity, 
I'm down with that. The idea of, okay, I won't, I'll let you get away with this one. You'll let me get away with the next one. No, no. Maybe what you want to get away with is just damn awful. And we should say so. That's why. That, that is, that is why. Clear, clear as day. Um, but it, it could be very interesting. In a, in a nation that is, as we discuss and we we're told and we look at, so incredibly polarized, it would be interesting to see how the House would have to operate. Now, the Senate is a completely different conversation. I take a look at some of these races and I say to myself, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about this anymore. When I take a look at the Senate race, Republicans already have 50 seats, Democrats 44 seats, six seats are toss-ups. Those toss-ups are Florida, Indiana, Montana, Missouri, Nevada, and Arizona. Right? Allow me a, a little bit of breaking down on those. I am not convinced that Rick Scott, the Republican, wins over Bill Nelson in Florida uh, in the Senate race. I am not convinced that Ron DeSantis DeSantis beats out Andrew Gillum, the Democrat, the socialist, the, the mayor of Tallahassee in that governor's race. I am not convinced. But there is nothing about either one of those two gentlemen, Nelson or Gillum, that has me thinking, oh, yeah, they got it. Right? Florida is where if I were the the party, I would be spending a tremendous amount of time. But they're not. I mean, they're spending some time, but I'm talking about a tremendous amount of time. You know where they're spending a tremendous amount of time? Indiana. Indiana is where they're spending a tremendous amount of time. Now, some people, you know, uh, so craven uh, talking points memo, which is a left-leaning site, very left-leaning site. Pittsburgh synagogue shooting throws a wrench into Trump's campaign plans. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to do with that. Yes, he's in Pittsburgh today. Uh, good, a uh, good campaigning is one thing; being president is something else. You know, just so we're clear. The man doesn't seem to tire. He'll fly anywhere he wants to fly. He'll do midnight rallies. People will show up. They'll show up. It's no question. But I would figure he's in Florida. No, he's in Indiana twice. Both he and the vice president are in Indianapolis, a town called Southport, on Friday night. The Southport uh, gymnasium, the high school there, uh, 7,000 seats, 14th largest gymnasium in the country. I did not know this. I live here. I did not know that. It's only the second biggest in Indiana. That, that, is, that is great. Uh, we, we, we we like our basketball people. We we, we, we really and truly do. Um, so then he's coming back on Monday. He'll be in Fort Wayne, which is to the north and to the east. That's a lot of campaigning in this Senate race, Joe Donnelly, the Democrat, uh, versus Mike Braun, the Republican. You also have a Libertarian in there, uh, Lucy Breton. She's at 5%. That debate, that final debate is is tonight. So either... They have concluded that Florida is not going to be won and they have to save Indiana, or they believe that Florida is winnable and Indiana needs more attention. It's very peculiar for Indiana. It shows you that there isn't there is no visceral disdain for the Democrat Joe Donnelly. And that's true. There is no visceral disdain for the man at all. It's just that on the big issues, 
he's with Schumer more than he's with Hoosiers. That's that's how it's looked at here. The Missouri race is a pickup for the Republicans. I know they're calling it a toss-up in, in Missouri. That's Josh Hawley against the incumbent, Claire McCaskill. Um, it started to separate if you take a look at, remember, never one poll, long-term polling. It started to uh, separate uh, just over the past uh, few days. The late, So uh, let me give you two polls, right? Never just one. Let's take a look at a multiplicity of things. Uh, the end of September through October 2nd, September 29th through October 2nd, 683 likely voters with a margin of error of 3.5. It's a tie. Fast forward three weeks, October 24th to the 25th. 1,376 likely voters. That's a very good sample size in my view. 2.6 margin of error. Hawley, 49. McCaskill, 45. That's plus four. I argue that within that it is correct. McCaskill, the the, the Kavanaugh vote, the whole Kavanaugh uh, debacle, getting people uh, on the political right enthused is real. It has happened. Uh, it can't. It can't be denied. Can't be denied on on any level. I see that going that way. The Arizona Senate race. Uh, I look at the last two polls and I say to myself, "Huh," because you would think that the momentum is all with Martha McSally, the Republican, especially after you've seen this this Democrat. Uh, uh, Kristen Cinema uh, talking smack about soldiers, talking smack about Arizona in past videos. Well, I go back to the beginning of October, McSally up six, McSally up two. I go to the end of October, Cinema up three, Cinema up six. That's a toss up. Right now, it would run uh, the Democrat 46, McSally, the Republican 45.8. That is a state that I think should be a little more, there should be a little more separation in. A state that I would argue should get more attention from the president and vice president. It's not. It, it is curious to me. People feel good about the Senate. They think there are going to be some pickups uh, here. And I, and I think that they, they are right about that. There are going to be some pickups here. And I do believe that Republicans will keep control of the Senate. We could be surprised by these things. But there are some tight races. All this is tight races. So many people are coming out. So many people are coming out. And then there's uh, one more thing. Do we believe any poll at all? And still, I, I, I never believe just one. No, I don't. I Not a chance. I think that there is... More enthusiasm than we realize on the Republican side. I think that you've seen Republicans uh, come out in the early voting. I think you're going to see it in, in a larger measure on actual Election Day a week from now. I, st- I still say, and I, I think I feel very comfortable, in that the Senate goes for Republicans. Even though with some of these tight races, the House, it's a guess. If you want your voice heard, you better show up to vote. Much more to get to, including Dr. Blasey Ford made a million bucks. I'm Tony Katz. So Dr. Blasey Ford's uh, making some money. Blasey Ford, sorry. 
Sorry, it's been a little bit out of the news cycle. I forgot how she pronounces her name. Uh, luckily, other people haven't stopped figuring out how to give her money. Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who made the accusations against Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, she, via sources like GoFundMe, where people have been engaging in, in donations, will make a million dollars and counting. She's also fielding book offers. So the people at Real Clear Investigations uh, reminded us of a quote from Senator Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois. You had absolutely nothing to gain by bringing these facts to the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's an interesting thing that goes on. And it's worthy of, of our attention. Uh, the, uh, the, the fundamentals of, of, of her claim, there was a party. She was there. She was uh, upstairs. She was basically ended up in a bedroom with, with Brett Kavanaugh, with a guy by the name of uh, uh, Mark Judge. Kavanaugh pushed her onto the bed, put his hand over her mouth, tried to feel her up. Worse. The friend jumped on top, and then she was able to get out, and then she left. Now, that's the basics of her story. The story has a tremendous number of holes. We, we understand this. We know this. The story did not hold up well to scrutiny as told, possibly because there's an issue as remembered. When you claim that three people were at the party and all three say they were never there, it creates an issue. The, Republic, the, the Republicans had a uh, prosecutor from Arizona ask the questions who deals in sex crimes. Her thought process after asking all the questions and getting all the answers was that she would never bring a case. There are simply too many inconsistencies. But as we have seen, especially with, for example, NBC News, which knew that, for example, the Julie Swetnick claim, the Michael Avenatti client, was bunk. They sh they did the interview where Julie Swetnick looked the part of the fool. They had a second woman who Avenatti said could corroborate the story, and her sh her exact statement to NBC was, "Michael Avenatti's twisting my words." They knew it, and they still aired the story. There are going to be questions and conversations about what it is the press did to move this anti Kavanaugh story along. This is not the condoning of sexual assault. This is taking a look at how it all went down. She, Blasey Ford, did not have the story, could not produce a single witness, and the witnesses she produced all said didn't happen. Her story itself, on the day she gave her testimony, presented her with problems and issues. It is possible that her lawyers which were recommended to her by Dianne Feinstein, the senator from California, did not give her all the facts and all the information. What did she have to gain? Well, the party had much to gain. The political apparatchik had much to gain. She's got a million dollars. There is something worth discussing here. When we ask, what do you have to gain from this? We now know the answer. Something. There's something to gain from all of this. Tony Katz, good to be with you.
833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Uh, I'm, bo- I'm bothered by the, the making of money off these things. I am. Um, I'm bothered by it, not because I think there should be some kind of, of law against it. I'm very rarely in favor of the creation of new laws. It's that what we're saying to people is, hey, man, just 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 make the claim. Because remember, the crime doesn't matter. It's the charge that matters. The charge is what gets you. Just just make the claim, and 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 you know what? Hopefully it'll hopefully it'll do some good. Hopefully we'll we'll be able to get them out of there. Because you know, never Trump is just the way. Overheard. Here's Brian. Well, golly, if we've learned anything in these highly charged political times, it's that you should never pass up an opportunity to exploit a tragedy and take advantage of the senseless deaths of innocent people. And you accomplish that by standing upon them to do a little liberal grandstanding. Yes, nothing ushers in immediate healing quite like it. Enter Chris Matthews, lover of leg thrills, man with opinion. I've been struck in recent days, long before the horror this weekend in Pittsburgh, by how Jewish people have been affected by the negative attitudes towards immigration. Oh, hell, he's going to do a monologue. You know, could somebody give me a beer? I'll tell you what, better make it two. And just an ice-cold Coors, all right? None of this fruit-infested, gum-flavored crap that the millennials are all into now. Just a plain old ordinary glass of beer, all right? Oh, thank you. Oh, can I get an orange? One man confronted me in an airport last week and demanded that I think about the St. Louis, that ship carrying over 900 Jewish refugees that was refused admission here in the United States in 1939 on the eve of World War II. That man who stopped me didn't say there was a connection between the Holocaust and the migrants. Uh, wait, what was it? The Holocaust. Come again? The Holocaust. The Holocaust. The Holocaust. Then the migrants coming north from Honduras. What President Trump warns up so vociferously. Oh, sounds like Chris has been doing a little drinking himself. Vociferously. He didn't have to make a connection. It was clear. It's about turning away people in need, treating strangers as if they're enemies, not welcoming them. What? Not welcoming them. So much of life is about a simple choice between two words. I don't know who the floor manager is for Chris's show. I'm betting they're getting covered in spittle right now. No one can safely assert a connection between the preaching of an American president. It's cold and flu season, you know, that's not sanitary. Connection between the preaching of an American president against the migrants of Central America and Saturday's killings by a man who spoke maniacally of how Jewish people were aiding invaders that was his word but then who can say there was no connection all right so chris's argument here is that you can't prove that trump's rhetoric motivated the shooter but you can't say it didn't either really putting yourself on the line and swinging big with that thesis there ain't you chris of course we all know that chris and all the other mentally deranged imbeciles on the left want to believe that trump hates jews and why not you know i mean we're coming off obama was there ever such a friend such an incredible friend to the jewish people as president barack obama now there was a president not at all like hateful trump who moved the u.s embassy to jerusalem and cut aid to the palestinians has a daughter a son-in-law and grandkids who were jewish oh my golly what an anti-semite i'm brian baker Ah, crap, I'm out of beer. Too late in the day for mimosas? The answer is no. No, it is not. Tony Katz, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. One more thing on uh, 
on that whole anti-Semitism uh, tip. Yes, it was, uh, you know, there's there's Chris Matthews being all Chris Matthews-like. Uh, but then there there's, there's this. This is uh, Steve Schmidt. Steve Schmidt, uh, former uh, campaign guy for, for uh, oh, what's his name? John McCain, right? And he has decided he's leaving the Republican Party. And he is an MSNBC guy. What does he have to say? Has opted into an alternate reality. We have to wake up in this country and understand the danger that this presents to all of us. We can't put our heads in the sand. Kellyanne Conway despicably today goes on national television and she said, well, this shooter's motives were because there's an anti-religious sentiment. No, ma'am. The propaganda industry that she commands with the vile president that she serves, abetted by Mark Levin and Rush Limbaugh and Breitbart and Newsbusters and Judicial Watch and all the rest of them have blood on their hands. Wow. So Pittsburgh is the responsibility of, of, of radio hosts and, and, and websites. MSNBC, they're clean. CNN, they're clean. Washington Post, the New York Times, they're clean. Radio hosts and websites that lean right. But the media is not the enemy of the people. You, you see where the problem is? You see the, see, see, what, see what I did there? I'll let them try and explain it. Oh, they can't? Let's talk a little bit about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That's next. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Before anything, uh, the Indianapolis Star is the newspaper of record in in my beloved Indianapolis. And they had a columnist by the name of Matthew Tully, who I was absolutely positively no fan of. I didn't know him personally. I only knew him in uh, professionally, in what he wrote. Which, no. I was not a fan of. He was on the show once, and that conversation devolved into nonsense quickly. My fault, if you want the truth. Now, just because I don't like someone's writing, I don't agree with what it is that they're putting out, never wish him an ill will. Matthew Tully died at the age of 49 from stomach cancer. Cancer is flat-out evil. It is disgusting. It is horrific. I uh, spend uh, my time, when, when asked when I can, when I can be helpful, with one charity, really, and that's The Cure Starts Now, which is about pediatric cancer. I have done my part. I have helped to raise a fair amount of money. There's more money to go, of course. I like The Cure Starts Now because they actually get money to doctors. They engage in actual research, and they're able to show what it is they've been able to do. They hold symposiums to be able to share with with other doctors and with with parents 
who are dealing with this, what it is they're finding and how it is they think they're going to be able to go down the road to be helpful. It was Lauren Hill, the basketball player, who passed from something called DIPG, diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. It's a brain cancer that's inoperable. It is uh, a brain cancer that usually affects children, two-year-olds, four-year-olds, six-year-olds, who pass way too quickly, and their parents just watch. It is horrific. I'm happy to do my part. I'm happy to give what I can because cancer is evil. Cancer is horrific. And even a guy who I disagreed with and a guy I didn't like, no one deserves it. He leaves behind a family. If you head over to uh, IndyStar.com, you can read a piece about him. I'm sure there's a place to leave your good words. The difference between disliking someone's work and the idea or the incivility of hoping something bad happens to them is the difference between where we can be and where, unfortunately, we are. Right? If I disagree with someone politically, I am not afraid to say so. I am not shy about it. If I see something that they have written or they have said, and I can slowly dismantle it in the way that I do, I apologize to no one. Because I can live and, and, and die, if you will. My reputation can live and die. My ethic can live and die. By that. I've either done it right or I've done it wrong. And people can come back at me, and they have. I would wish nothing but uh, his cancer cured. It's, it's just as horrible as anything that's out there. You don't want that for anybody. Not for anybody. Sarah Huckabee Sanders taking on everybody over there uh, in the White House press briefing room. Taking on all comers is, uh, is, the, uh, is the press secretary. We start with a back and forth that she had with John Carl. John Carl of ABC. And the back and forth with John Carl is all about how President Trump reacted to the shooting in Pittsburgh. And, and was it enough? Sir, the president said over the weekend that he could tone up his rhetoric. What, what does he mean by that? And does he have any concern at all that his words could inspire or provoke troubled people to do awful things? Uh, certainly. Uh, the president wants... Uh, in moments where our country is hurting like we've seen um, in the last several days, uh, find ways to bring our country together, and we've seen him do exactly that. However, the president is going to continue uh, to draw contrast, uh, particularly as we go into the final days of an election, the differences uh, between the two parties, particularly on policy differences. You'll continue to see him make that contrast. Uh, but he has certainly, I think, found those moments to bring our country together and certainly focus on some of the things that all of us can support and all of us uh, can condemn as well. But he's also harshly attacked some of the very people that received those pipe bombs. And this morning, suggesting that the news media is responsible for, for the anger in the country. How, how does he do that when, in the case of the pipe bomber, this was somebody who went to Trump rallies, this is somebody who had a van covered with, uh, with, with uh, attacks on the media and praise for, for the president. Um, uh, the, the shooter in Pittsburgh is somebody who was uh, 
provoked, it seems, by the uh, caravan that the president has spent so much time talking about. Why, why is he out there, when you say he's trying to unite the country, why is he out there the very making first, Jonathan, The very first thing that the president did was condemn the attacks, both in Pittsburgh and in the pipe bombs. The very first thing the media did was blame the president and make him responsible for these ridiculous uh, acts. That is outrageous that that would be the very first reaction of so many people across this country. The, I'm not finished. The only person responsible for carrying out either of these heinous acts were the individuals who carried them out. It's not the president. No more than it was Bernie Sanders' fault for the individual who shot up a baseball field of congressional Republicans. You can't start putting the responsibility of individuals on anybody but the individual who carries out the crime. Well, why is the president Steve? suggesting it's the news media? The president's the one placing blame here. No, the president's not placing morning. blame. The president's not is not responsible for these acts. Again, the very first action that the president did was condemn uh, these heinous acts. The very first thing that the media did was condemn the president and go after and try to place blame, not just on the president, but everybody that works in this administration. The major news network's first public statement was to blame the president and myself included. I mean, that is outrageous that anybody other than the individual who carried out the crime would. That's Sarah Huckabee Sanders and John Carl. And what's interesting is that the president spoke out about Pittsburgh immediately. Um, They spoke out about the pipe bombs immediately, and it wasn't enough. So the question is, if it's not enough, you see, Charlottesville, he did wrong, but this he did right. Isn't that supposed to be what you wanted? But it turns out it's not what people want, or at least the media apparatchik wants. They want to vilify until there's nothing left, until they get their victory. That's what they want. That seems obvious when John Carl goes back and talks about he's going after the media. My goodness, we would be fools to think that the media isn't a part of the problem. You want to talk about the president's hype and you thought president's tweet? Go right ahead. I've never stopped anybody. Feel free. Some tweets drive me crazy. I wish he would tweet less. Oh, my, absolutely. You know this whole conversation about uh, citizen uh, birthright citizenship that came out via Axios that he's going to look into putting an end to birthright citizenship, which is really about uh, not the whole of the 14th Amendment, but the idea of the conversation of subject to the jurisdiction thereof, something I've discussed before. Well, I don't mind that conversation taking place. I think it's weird that you'd have it a week before Election Day. There are conversations that maybe the whole Kavanaugh effect has fallen apart, that the Democrats' edge is growing, and that it could be a really ugly election. The Republicans no longer have any momentum. At least that's what some people commentary magazine writing wants you to believe. You see, what the president's doing with the caravan is nothing more than a big uh, a big show for, for his base. Oh, the invasion is coming. Well, now, uh, according to one source, it's 4,000 people. It was 7,000 people. The reports were 14,000 people. So what you're telling me is there should be no level of response in terms of, hey, we're going to be ready for this. You have an issue with readiness? What the president has been saying all along is turn back. Don't come. You won't get in. But he's also put together the force to deal with whatever comes our way. I don't, I don't know why that's all of a sudden about posturing. When he's been saying, don't come, if he had done nothing, what would have have been the win there? 
You see, I think it's very acceptable to say that there are things that the president says that doesn't make any sense, that don't help him. Here I talk about a conversation about anchor babies, about, about uh, birthright citizenship. It's an interesting conversation, one worthy of discussion. Why are you having the conversation now? You're there with Axios, right? You're, you're doing an interview. You had to bring this one up? You're a week before the election. Talk about the things that get you a, an election. Don't talk about the things that send the other side to be like, oh, how dare he? Seems foolhardy to me. But it's also foolhardy for someone to say, hey, you've got people who, and the numbers as reported by others in media, 14,000. It wasn't my number. I didn't make it up a number, pull it out of my, you know what? If it's now 4,000, it's 4,000. Good. Let's get into a conversation about how we can help Honduras be a better nation. How we can get real leadership uh, in there. I'm not interested in coups. I'm interested in the people of of Honduras living a a good life. So they're not, quote unquote, a threat. They're a partner. They're a friend. Let us have friendly relationships with Tegucigalpa. I go back to John Carl and that whole conversation. I mean, because that whole conversation is just a world-class example of just the madness uh, that we see in all this. That it's one thing to say that the president should have said this. But when the president says exactly what you think he should say, you say, oh, it's not good enough. That's mental. Right? You're allowed to say one thing when he does the thing that you want him to do and you're not okay with it. That's on you. That is silly. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't move anything forward on any level. Oh, then there's uh, there's uh, Sarah Sanders and Jim Acosta because, of course, there's Jim Acosta. You're not going to state for the record then. Uh, I mean, if the president is going to say the fake news media are the enemy of the people, and if you're going to stand there and continue to say that there are some journalists, some news outlets in this country that uh, meet that, that characterization, uh, shouldn't you have the guts, Sarah, to state which outlets, which journalists are the enemy of the people? I think it's uh, irresponsible of a news organization like yours to blame responsibility of a pipe bomb that was not sent by the president. Not just blame the president, but blame members of his administration uh, for those heinous acts. I think that is outrageous, and I think it's irresponsible. So, she answered the question. What's next? Sarah Huckabee Sanders performing daily at the White House. I'm Tony Katz. I'm just saying, I don't know how anybody does swag. I'm trying to get some uh, Tony Katz swag out into the world. We've, you know, we've logoed up. or just get some things out there, give to our friends, the people we love. I don't know, maybe we'll sell them. I don't know. Holy cow, I'm trying to do a quarter zip sweatshirt. Price is astronomical. Astronomical. Like, crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's 80% cotton, uh, 20% polyester, and 4% butterscotch ripple. It's made by Willy Wonka. That's how it goes. 
Uh, Tony Katz, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Holy moly. And uh, maybe it's good. Uh, listen, everything, if it's not made in America, I'm not doing it. If it's not made in America, I'm flat out not doing it. No, 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 I'm not. I, ju- I, just, I just refuse. Yeah, all right, well, it's going to cost money. That's, that's the way it's going to be. That's the way it's going to be. Let me go to Mike on the phones. Mike, welcome to the show. What's going on, Mike? Hey, Tony. Uh, listen, John C. Call, with his uh, comments to Sarah Sanders, he said that he used the words, Trump attacks the media. But when there's people that confront politicians in restaurants, it's not an attack in the face of those people. And also that the Pittsburgh shooter was inspired by Trump's caravan comments, but there's no evidence of that either. And Sarah Sanders lets all all slide without pointing out that right there, that's part of the fake media narrative, is that Trump attacks the media, that the caravan inspired things, but there's no evidence. So I find it curious. They're not on top of their game with confronting the media when they ask those questions. Well, I think I, w- I would say uh, two things. Uh, it's possible that Sarah Huckabee Sanders, being the pro on at the podium, uh, hears it differently than you and has a purpose for how she answers things because it's it's important that she's not always answering for herself. She's answering as the representation of the administration. So there, to to wit, there is a difference. Uh, but I would I would argue that she is very good, regardless of what you think of her personally. She is very good at the at the moving uh, of them off their their game about confronting them, about going nose to nose with them. And saying, no, what you're saying isn't correct. What you're saying is wrong. What you're saying is a problem. She has done this time and again and very well. When Sarah Huckabee Sanders was the pick, I said, I don't think they should do that. I think they should go somewhere else. Man, was I wrong. She has been uh, fantastic. It's not that I didn't like her, Ari. Producer Ari, it's, I never had anything against her. And now that I've, I've only met her once, I thought, I thought she was lovely. I thought it was a great conversation. It's that I didn't want them to stay in the house when after Spicer, I wanted them to 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 go out into the world and find uh, the the right person. I she she has proven to be uh, formidable, uh, to say the least. I think the interesting part about what you're getting at, Mike, is how we allow certain things to become the standard. Right? It gets said three or four times in media, and the next thing you know, okay, that's the way it is. One of those very interesting stories is this idea that anti-Semitism has gone up 57% since Trump was elected, according to the Anti-Defamation League. Do we know this? Do we know this for sure? I took a look at FBI crime data, which had me to 2016. So I couldn't, you know, do it in in, in total, but I started looking at it. And, And I'm... And a part of me, you know, I know what I'm looking at, but I also want to make sure that I'm that I'm right at what I'm looking at because someone could say, no, Tony, you don't want to look at those tables. You want to look at these tables over here. And I'm, I'm checking with some, some people that I know, like, and trust on the subject. The 2016, 2015 numbers don't seem to have uh, that much of a of a difference, at least on that, that first glance. But where was everybody getting the number? Where was everybody getting this, this 50 per, 57% number? The Anti-Defamation League study uh, claims to show an almost 60% increase in anti-Semitic incidents between 2016-2017, which uh, is blamed on on President Trump. But as the Volokh conspiracy 
goes through. The Volok conspiracy is Eugene Volok. We're talking about a fantastic uh, a legal uh, uh, writer uh, and columnist. The Volok conspiracy was at the Washington Post, then it was at 538 blog, and here it is right now at reason.com. Uh, well, they have started going through the study. For example, the study includes 193 incidents of bomb threats to Jewish institutions as anti-Semitic incidents, even though by the time the ADL published the study, it had shown that two perpetrators of the bombs were not motivated by anti-Semitism. It, it's like when they do uh, school shootings, and they say, oh, here are all these school shootings. Well, if someone goes to a school when it's closed in the middle of the night and commits suicide, which is awful, that gets considered by the Moms Demand Actions of the world as a school shooting. And that's a false statistic. So, yeah, that 57% number, we need to take a bigger look at. Hour two coming up.